one evening, a man was relaxing at home, flipping through the channels when he came across a TV preacher. The man stopped on that channel because it seemed like the preacher was looking right at him and talking directly to him. The TV preacher said, there's a man that just tuned into this program, and sir, you're sitting in a blue recliner in your living room. I'm sitting in a blue recliner in my living room. And the TV preacher said, you're watching the program tonight and you're drinking a Mountain Dew and you're eating Doritos right now as I speak. And the man looked out and sure enough, he had a Mountain Dew in one hand and Doritos in the other hand. Then the televangelist said, you're wearing a blue baseball cap and you're wearing a Clemson sweatshirt and there's a mustard stain on the side of that sweatshirt. He said, oh, Lord have mercy. I'm wearing blue hat, a Clemson sweatshirt, and a mustard stain on the side of my sweatshirt. And then the TV preacher said, the Lord is telling you to send a $1,000 into my ministry. And the man said, for a second there, I thought he was talking to me. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Let each of you give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know that your heart and your money are connected? You don't believe me, See, a wife asks her husband for money. What does he do? When he reaches for his wallet, he also grabs his chest, right? Your heart and your money are connected. Even Jesus said that in Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart will follow your treasure. You invest a little money in something, it's going to have your attention. I'll give you an example. Let's say that you buy a stock in the stock market. Maybe you never followed that stock before in your life, but now you're watching it lose money every day. <laughs> because you're investing your treasure in it, you pay attention to it. You want your heart to be in the kingdom of God, put your treasure in the kingdom. Am I with me? Last week's message came down to three words. God comes Today, I want to give you four ways to develop a giving heart. Last week, God comes first. Today, four ways to develop a generous heart. Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 15. This has been kind of fun because we've been going to the Old Testament and not typical Old Testament verses that you teach on and talk on on Sunday morning. We get to some of the more interesting out-of-the-way verses, if you will. But Deuteronomy chapter 15, and I hear people say, I don't read the Old Testament because that doesn't apply to me. That's the only Bible Jesus taught from. Did you know in the New Testament there are 2,300 references to the Old Testament? And Old Testament verses are quoted 200 or 343 times. The Bible says all scriptures inspired by God. So if you're a new believer, I encourage you to start in the New Testament, but don't stop there because there's some truths that you're going to miss if you don't study the Old Testament, right? Many, many blessings you miss if you don't study. The Old Testament, Galatians 3.29 says this, Now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. How do you know who Abraham is? O.P., baby. <laughs> Old Testament. You are his heirs, and God's promise to you. So Abraham belongs to you. How do you know what God's promise 
promises to Abraham. Okay. Those promises in the Old Testament belong to you. Someone said they belong to me. So this morning, we're going to let the Old Testament teach us how to be generous. Deuteronomy 15, verse 1, it says this, At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debt. Hallelujah. This is how it should be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require payment from anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. You may require payment from a foreigner, but you must cancel any debt your fellow Israelite owes you. However, there need be no poor people among you. Somebody said that's the will of God. There need to be no poor need be no poor people among you, for in the land your Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, He will richly bless you if you only fully obey. The Lord your God, and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as He has promised, and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land your Lord your God has given you, do not be hardened or tight fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. We're going to learn four ways to have a giving heart from this passage right here. Look back at verses 4 and 5. It says, there, there need be no poor people among you, for the land your, the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance. He will richly bless you. But verse 5 says, if only you fully obey the Lord your God... And are careful to follow these commands I'm giving you today. Notice that obedience is the requirement for the blessing. Come on, we walk around saying, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I just want to be blessed. I'm so blessed. But if we're not obeying the Lord, He ain't blessing us. God says, you obey me and I bless you. That's the condition for the blessing. You obey my commands and I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out my blessings upon you. The blessing starts with an obedient heart. So here in Deuteronomy 15, four things we must have to have a giving heart. Number one, deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a selfish heart. That's number one. We're all born with a sinful nature, are we not? I talked about this last week. All the parent experts know that you don't have to teach your kids to be bad. It comes naturally to them. You think you got a little angel? Nope, it's a viper in a diaper. Okay. We're all born with a sinful human nature, okay? It is a spiritual heart condition. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay? The heart wants what the heart wants. Ain't a good thing, baby. The heart can want desperately wicked things according to the Word of God. As the Puritan minister John Owen said, the seed of every sin is in every human heart. In other words, without Jesus, we're all in trouble. Aren't you glad that He can fix the issues of the heart? That's why David prayed to God, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Deuteronomy 15, verse 9, it says this, Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. In other words, we have to actively be aware of the faults of our heart. 
Okay? Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, The seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. You may be wondering, what's this whole seven year stuff? Here's what's going on in verse 9. God established a system where every seven years all debts were canceled. How many like to bring back that system? <laughs> OP. Every seventh year, every seventh year was called a year of release where every debt was canceled. So after the seventh, seventh year of release, the 50th year was called the year of Jubilee. And it was even bigger when all debts were canceled, all slaves were freed, and all land was returned to the original owners. The year of Jubilee guaranteed that poverty would not be handed down to the next generation. Praise God. On the year of Jubilee, everybody was completely and totally free. I love God's economic policy. What God is saying here in verse 9 is that when someone comes to you with a need, don't turn them away just because you know that debt's about to be canceled. In other words, don't be selfish and greedy, right? Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eyes be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, look at this, and it will become sin among you. Would you refuse to help someone because you're getting nothing in return? God calls that sin. If you want to be generous and you want to give like God gives, you've got to deal with a selfish heart. I was in small group talk Wednesday night when somebody asked me a deep question. And it wasn't just a deep question. It was a deep question. You know what I'm talking about? It's one of those questions where, where in your mind you're thinking, I have no idea. But you have to have your, like your preacher voice saying, well, brother, no man has known the mind of the Lord. It was a good question, but it was a deep question, okay? And I, I, I'm not a deep teacher. I'm a foundational teacher. I, I believe if you get the foundations and the fundamentals of Christianity, you live those out, then you're good. But it's good to have a deep question sometimes. And here's the deep question for you, okay? Just think about it like I thought about it. Don't answer out loud, but they asked me, why did God create giving? Why did God create giving? Why did God establish giving? He created everything, so why did he create generosity and giving? Okay, I'll tell you why he didn't establish giving. He didn't create giving because he needed money. It's not because God's short on resources. God is not up in heaven right now laying off angels and turning off some stars. Hello. God does not need you to keep him in business. God didn't create giving for his sake. He created it for our sake. Here's the point. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Giving more than any other thing in the life of a Christian is the cure for selfishness and greed. You want to break selfishness off of your life? You want to break greed off of your life? Start giving. God wants you to be generous. Why? To break the power of greed off of you. And I hear a lot of preaching out there about giving to get. Give this 
get that. That's not the cure for selfishness and greed. In fact, sometimes it can fuel it. Okay, in the wrong context, God doesn't want us to give just so we can get more back. He doesn't want us to give to get. He wants us to give to give. He wants us to have a generous heart. He talked about in Deuteronomy, give knowing that you ain't getting nothing back. Jubilee's around the corner. The seventh year's around the corner. Give anyway. You with me so far? Amen. Three of you. I'll take three. Think about this. God demonstrates this to us. Think about this. God, what did he do? He gave his only son, Jesus, for the sins of the whole world. Jesus paid the price for every sin of every human being, knowing that many would reject him. God did not give just to get. He gave because that's who he is. God is love, and love is generous. God wants us to give what He gives. Number one, deal with a selfish heart. And number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Number two, deal with a grieving heart. Deal with a grieving heart. Now, this is interesting to me because when God talks about grief here in verse 10, He's talking about money. Deuteronomy 15.10, You shall surely give to Him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to Him. <laughs> Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and all to which you put your hand. Have you ever given an offering to the Lord or given something to somebody to meet a need and then you turn right around and something breaks and you need money? Come on, what happens? You feel grieved. <laughs> you cry a little bit on the inside because now you need money. <laughs> Listen. Selfishness attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. Selfishness attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. Speaking of before and after, there's something that I like to do on Sunday mornings. When, when I got a little ritual I do when I get up, I, I make about four or five coffees. And I drink four or five coffees and I drink seven or eight. I preach real good. <laughs> I ain't going to tell you how many I drank today. You let you figure it out. But then what I like to do after church is on the way home, I like to get another coffee on the way home. And the problem is I, I don't have any money, money on me today. Can somebody lend me $5? Can I? Oh, thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. $5. Holla, holla. All right. You see how quickly Alan got up to give me that $5? You know why he did that? Because that's about $5 I gave to him right before church. <laughs> was he grieved to give me that $5? No. Why? Because it was already my $5 anyway. It doesn't grieve you to give when you understand that it's his already. Psalm 24, one of the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. You know what that says? Everything belongs to God. When you take hold of Psalm 24, one, it'll change the way you think about money. It'll change the way you think about resources. It'll change the way you think about relationships. It'll change the way you think about crazy relatives. Come on, somebody. The earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof, 
and they that dwell therein. <laughs> the old way of thinking is this. This money's mine. I earned it. I'm going to spend it like I, how, like I want to. <laughs> Here's the new way of thinking. This money is God's. He blessed me with it. He entrusted it to me. So, Lord, how can I honor you with the way I handle my resources? Do you see that? It's yours. You gave it to me. How can I be a blessing to other people? By the way, y'all know my favorite way to take up an offering? My favorite way to take up an offering is for everybody to take out their wallets and their purses, pass it to the person beside them, and then the ushers come forward. <laughs> it's easier to give when it's not your money, right? <laughs> but here's the truth. It all belongs to God. And when we change our thinking and our mentality, not only is it easier for us to be generous, it's easier for us to walk in the blessing of God. Amen? When we give back to God what's already His, we don't have to be grieved about it. We can trust God to provide for us. There's an amazing promise of God in Proverbs 19, and I love this. Proverbs 19, 17 says this, If you help the poor, your lending the Lord, and He will repay you. What an amazing promise of God. God is saying that when you give to people who have no way or intention of giving back to you, God will repay you. When you take God's blessings in your life and you bless others, God will take care of you. Number one, deal with a selfish heart. Number two, deal with a grieving heart. Number three, develop a generous heart. This Christian life, in case you haven't noticed, is not automatic, is it? It is a lifelong process of growing in faith. It's a lifelong journey of becoming more like Jesus. Every day we have to make the decision, I will be generous and I will be kind to people. Some of y'all, generosity is a little bit easier than kindness. Okay, but whatever your struggle is, this Christian walk is a daily decision. Okay, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be a blessing to others. I'm going to show them the love of Jesus in any way that I can. Look at verse 14. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with. You see that dynamic there? That's Psalm 24 1 in action. What the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. How are we able to be generous? Because of how generous God has been to us. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give. We can be generous because God's been generous to us. Listen, generosity is not about the size of your bank account, it's about the condition of your heart. Do you have a generous heart? If not, deal with that selfish heart, deal with that grieving heart, and allow God to develop that in your life. Again, it's not about the size of your bank account, it's about the condition of your heart. Do you know that the more money a person makes, the less likely they are to give? I've heard people say, well, when I have more money, I give to the Lord. When I win the lotto, buy something nice for the church. <laughs> no, you won't. Even the world says that. Major university studies have found that the more money people have, the less generous they become. 
study by UC Berkeley found that lower income people give a larger percentage of their income to charity than the wealthy. You have a generous heart. It's not about the size of your bank account. It's about the condition of your heart. Do you believe that God has blessed you to be a blessing? That's the whole point of the blessing. God wants to get resources to you so he can get them through you. Okay, and here's a deep, 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 deep revelation. I had to learn this in my own life. Not everything God gives you is for you. Not everything God gives you is for you. Several years ago, I taught a Bible college class, and they blessed me big time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, it was a blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Unexpected blessing. And when I got that check, you know what the Holy Spirit said? Now you can bless somebody. I mean, I was all excited. And I got even more excited when the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, Lord, I didn't give this to you. I give this. I, I give, I'm giving this to you. By the end of that day, I was talking to somebody who had an urgent need in their life. And because God blessed me and because I was listening to the Holy Spirit, because I was working on that stingy, selfish, greedy, cutting cheapskate heart. I was able to immediately say, you know what? I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you told me that because God blessed me big time today and I can turn right around. I'm going to bless you. I want to help meet that need right now. Not everything God gives you is for you. I want you to take that to heart. Amen? Sometimes God gives resources to you to get those resources through you to somebody who has a greater need. Amen? Isn't God good? It's a wonderful feeling to be able to help somebody else in need. If you've never done it, you need to do it. There's no greater feeling than to lead somebody to Jesus. There's a high like no other. And then to meet somebody in need in a meaningful way. Somebody needs groceries? Bye. You know what? We'll save you money. Take some home with you today. God blesses us to be a blessing. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that the commissary, out of all the churches, all the nonprofits in Goldsboro, they brought those groceries to us. God's blessing us to be a blessing to those around us. Can I get an amen? All right. Hallelujah. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to Him. Number one, deal with the selfish heart. Two, deal with the grieving heart. Three, develop a generous heart. And number four, my last point, we're almost done. Deal with the devil. Develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. Somebody say grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15 15. You shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing. Everything we read comes down to this one verse. The authority on which God commands us to be generous, the authority on which He gives that commandment is the fact of what God brought us out of. You were lost. You were dead in your transgressions. You had no life. You had no hope. But God gave His all for you. Let us never forget where we came from. 
Let us never forget being rescued by God. Let us never forget being redeemed from hell. Let us never forget being saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us never forget that we were lost without hope till God reached down His hand and rescued us and pulled us from the miry clay and set our feet upon the rock and gave us new life and new hope and new freedom. God gave His best for us. And no matter how much stuff you have, you didn't have nothing until you found Jesus. So when we think about developing a heart of generosity, Let's remember that everything we are, all that we have and all that we ever hope to be is because of Jesus. Because God gave His best for us. Will you stand this morning as we pray and as the worship team comes? Lord, we just thank You for this beautiful day. God, I thank You for every person that's in here this morning. Lord, I thank you, Father, for just touching their hearts, Father. God, I thank you for opening up eyes to see what is in front of them, Lord. God, I thank you, Father, Lord, for giving us generous hearts, Lord, that we don't have selfish hearts, Father. Lord, I thank you for making our hearts soft for whenever you speak, Lord, that we give in need, Father, regardless of what we think. Lord, I thank you, Father, for using us to be vessels. God, I thank you for trusting us with everything that you've given us, Father. God, I thank you for having that trust in me that I'll be obedient to act when you tell me to act. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that our hearts never become hardened, Father, to what we see going on into the world, that we don't give, that we get more selfish, and that we withhold things and gifts from people. God, help us to be a blessing to those that need it. God, help us, Father, Lord, use us. Help us to trust you and to obey your voice, Father. And God, I just thank you for everything that you've given us. God, I thank you for the help. God, I thank you for the money. I thank you for housing. I thank you for cars. I thank you for bikes. God, I thank you for every single thing. Choose, God, that you have given us. Lord, I just thank you for the many, many blessings. God, never let my heart grow hard to where I don't see the small things as blessings. And God, help us not to just see ourselves and what we need and what we want and what needs to be fixed. But God, let us see the needs of others, God, and use us, Father. God, use us to be the biggest blessing we could be. God, use us to be the Christians that the world needs to see. Not the stingy people that keep all the things to ourselves, but God, use us. Use our church, Father, to reach the community, Father. God, let the storehouse be overflowing, Father, because your people are obedient and that you use us to touch the sick, the dying, the homeless, Father, the addicts, the prostitutes. God, use us to be a refuge of hope, Father, for the community and those that need us, Father. God, I thank you, God, that you use us. And Lord, I pray right now, Father, that you touch hearts, Father, that that selfishness comes off, 
that a spirit of generosity comes upon them, God, and obedience, Lord. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that the spirit of poverty that has attached itself to Goldsboro, I rebuke in the name of Jesus. May Goldsboro no longer be known for being a poverty county, but may it be a county of wealth. That may it be a county that is known for being on fire for Jesus. May it be a county, Father, that touches and reaches those in need, Father. And Lord, I thank you for that. And God, let us be a part of that. And Lord, we praise you and we worship you and we give you glory. And God, we give you honor. And right now, we just thank you for every blessing. God, we give you glory for it. We just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. 